Zone presents All Things Employment with Vicki Caza. All Things Employment with issues, answers, and information for today's job market. Here's your host, Vicki Caza. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this edition of All Things Employment. This is the place that we talk about all things that are pertinent to job seekers, to perhaps people who may not be seeking yet but may be seeking shortly, as well as employers who may be looking to do some downsizing and want some questions on how to address that and how to how to, how to deal with employees both before and after. So what we're going to do today a little bit different. We are going to complete the series of information that we started the last few last two weeks, which means I'm going to finish talking today about interviewing and about resumes and just to give you some tips to keep in mind, some key points that you want to keep in mind when you are in your job search and when you are conducting yourself in a job search or in an interview. So we're going to finish up with that, and then we are going to begin today our series of Careers In. If you have seen the website at all, you can see that uh, one of the things we plan to do is bring you experts in different fields. A couple of weeks ago, we had a guest on, Pam Grushka, as the career counselor, career coach, who walked us through the ins and outs of finding a coach, what a coach can do for you, where you might find a coach, and just some questions you might have had about coaching. So Pam was with us for that. And today, we're going to start our series on the career section of information for our Talk Zone listeners. So today, we're going to be talking about careers in education. And we will have with us a little bit later on the show an educator who has been in the field of education for more than 30 years. She is uh, currently a principal in a private school in Connecticut. So we will have her here. So I would encourage you, if you have any questions of anything we talked about to date or anything we're talking about when we start to talk with our guest today on education, that you give us a call. Our lines are always open. Our toll-free number is 888-463-6748. That's 888-GO-FOR-IT. So if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to give us a call. We'll be happy to take your calls on the air and answer any questions you may have. So let me go back a little bit into some of the information that we were talking about these last couple of weeks about, as I said, resumes and interviews and the job search and how you absolutely uncover what we call that hidden job market. So a few key points I wanted to be sure that we left you with before we move to our careers in portion. So the first thing we want to talk about, or the first key point I want to make sure that you are aware of, is employers don't have jobs open. They have problems to solve. Remember what we've talked about or what I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago. There are no real jobs per se. There are problems to solve. And your resume needs to be able to answer the question, how can I solve your problem? So remember that when your resume is being put together by you or by somebody else, What problems can you solve or how can you solve that employer's problem? So that's key point number one. Second key point I wanted to make sure that you were aware of is a resume, again, is part of the total sales package. You need to be able to sell yourself on paper to generate an interest to get the phone call. So, again, the resume really is just whetting the appetite of the interviewer or of the reviewer to get you in there to talk in detail about what you can do for that organization and how you can solve that problem. Next key point to keep in mind, each job seeker can have any number of resumes necessary to highlight the skills and expertise needed for the opportunity. So this is really important to know if, in fact, you are a job seeker who has quite a bit of an extensive background and maybe worked in different fields or maybe has had quite a few 
different types of roles and responsibilities in your past and you want to start to look for opportunities where you may be able to use some of those, this is why you can have more than one resume. You certainly can have resumes that highlight different aspects of your career and different levels of skill that you've had. My caution to you, though, is be sure that you know where you're sending which version of your resume to because the last thing you want to have happen is for a potential employer to call you about your resume and you're not sure which one you sent. So make sure you keep very good track and very good record of where you send the resume so that when you do get that all-important phone screen, you know exactly what you need to be saying and what questions you, you may be being asked. So make sure you have that you have that down pat. The other thing, too, we talked about this, is job seekers must develop what I call a personal brand statement or a unique selling proposition. This should be what you use to describe to networking opportunities or to recruiters what it is you'd like to do and what it is that you represent or what problems you will solve for an employer. So again, it's what we call a personal brand statement or a unique selling proposition, something that defines you and something that you can use in order to describe or explain to people what it is you may be looking for. Now, when we talk about your skills or your accomplishments on your resume, those are the benefits, obviously, that you bring to an organization or that you bring to a a problem, right? This is how you're going to solve the problem. When you talk about your accomplishments, they should always have some kind of a figure to it or some kind of what we call a return on investment. So if, in fact, you are going to describe what you've done in your previous job or for your next employer, you want to be able to describe it in terms of how you've saved something. So you would describe the problem, how you solved it, and how you saved money. Something like, you know, worked on a system that was installed to reduce redundancies in in data entry, which resulted in a savings or a cost measure saving of X percent. So what you're doing very succinctly is stating the problem, how you solved it, and what the result was. So again, when employers or reviewers are seeing this resume, what they're seeing is, you know, how you will solve the problem and some descriptors or some examples of exactly how you will solve that problem. So the more you can put these accomplishments or these benefits into some type of a, a ROI or return on investment, what will their return be on their investment in you if, in fact, they bring you in to do the work? So remember that, too. Benefits should always be measurable and speak to an ROI. Now, every resume should highlight achievement or core competencies or both, depending on the role being sought. So if you are very technical or you have a lot of project inf- project work or a lot of information that is you would consider a core competency, you can absolutely highlight those core competencies right where your summary statement is. So where your summary statement begins or your summary statement ends, rather, you would then have your core competencies. The one thing I would tell you to do, though, is be careful with the core competencies and how you list them. Don't overload the resume with them because you'll see those words, again, somewhere within the the resume itself. So you don't want to repeat or have too many too many um, redundancies in it, but you do want to be able to highlight. Now, some people have a tendency to want to be able to put a, a grid or a box or something fancy to draw attention to their core competencies. Be careful when you do that because remember when a resume is scanned or it's sent in through an applicant tracking system, the formatting and or the grid lines may become distorted and it may throw the resume off a little bit. So be careful what you do there. 
Objectives, as we've said before, you've heard me say this before, objectives are useless. You don't want to list an objective on your resume. The same objective everybody has is to get a job. So you don't want to list that. You want to list something about yourself. You want to list something that says who you are, what you've done, that summary statement, how you can solve the problem. So stay away from the objectives because, again, everybody's objective is the same to get a job. So you want to use that space, that prime real estate in such a way that it just makes the makes the reviewer or the hoped for employer really want to hone in on you and really want to talk to you about what it is you can do for them. When we do resumes today, also people who have worked for quite a while have uh, quite a bit of, of work experience. We don't normally need to highlight past 10 years of experience. Now, what I mean by that is this. You certainly want to highlight and delineate and bring attention to what you've been doing for the past 10 years, and you want to bring forth the accomplishments you've, you've had or the accomplishments you've made for an organization, but you don't have to go back more than 10 years in describing those accomplishments. So your resume, again, should contain statements that, that describe what it is you've done and where you've done those, obviously. But you don't have to go back further than 10 years because then the resume becomes very crowded and there's too much information. And really what in this, in this day and age, I guess, when there's so many resumes that people are looking at, remember it's that 15 to 30 second eyeball that your resume will get. You want to have that reviewer look at the most pertinent information and anything past 10 years really is not going to be a, deter- a determining factor in whether or not they ask you to come in for an interview. So keep that in mind as well. Okay, a couple more tips and then I want to get into some interviewing information. But what we say here too, volunteer experience is a plus. Do not leave out volunteer experience. Now people have said to me, you know, in between jobs I was, you know, volunteering for certain organizations or I, I have been a volunteer for my local, you know, reading to the blind organization or something like that. Should I put that on? And my answer to that is absolutely. And a couple of reasons you want to put that on. Number one, especially if you are using that volunteer experience in between paid opportunities. So if you want to put that in between places where you have been a paid employee, you certainly can. Or even if you have been a volunteer for an organization for many, many years, you'd like to call attention to that because remember too, when when interviewers or you know, prospective employers look at an individual, they look at the full picture. They look at what a person has done, not only in work-wise, but in a personal life as well. Quick story here. When I was, I was on an interview committee a couple of years back, we were interviewing for a couple of different positions, and each of us had different questions to ask. And when we got back together, we all talked about what the candidate's response were, were, responses were. And one of my fellow committee members was kind of, you know, disappointed in the fact that nobody that she interviewed had any hobbies she said nobody reads nobody has hobbies it's really disappointing to see that people just want to focus on the work aspect of their life and not so much on the the hobbies or the personal side of it so what i encourage you to do is if you have volunteer experience list it on your resume it's a good place to put it a caution here though is make sure that you're not listing something that identifies you as something you don't want to list you know if you're a member of the young republicans or the young democrats you never have to disclose any of that information on a resume so don't do it with the volunteer portion either but again put that on there because it is something that will be show you as a very rounded um, individual now we've said this before and it's worth repeating resumes are sales tools as opposed to the product manual Remember last week, I believe we talked about the product manual that you get with a piece of equipment versus the sales piece that was used to develop the, develop the, 
the the uh, piece of equipment and or to sell it to the public. There's a distinct difference between a sales piece, which is slick and wants you to look further into it, and a product manual, which just lists what you need to do one step at a time. So that really, you want to stay away from the product manual look and stay more towards the sales piece look for your resume. So keep that in mind when you're having it done or when, you, when you're doing it yourself. Now, again, too, resumes should always contain at least two points of contact, your phone and your email, or two phones or two emails, whichever you'd prefer. And again, stay away from the cute emails. You don't want to be known, known as the beerpongchamp.com or something that's going to be laughable. You do not want to be the butt of jokes among the recruiting staff of any organization. So make sure that your your email information, your email address is very professional. And again, you can close out that account once you have your job to then get rid of some of the junk mail you may be getting. Okay. Quantifiable results. Again, make sure you can tell what the problem was, how you solved it, and what the result was. Again, those ROI. You want to make sure of the ROI there. And again, resume should never contain anything you can't defend. We spoke about that at length. Misspellings, poor grammar, or you know any kind of a, a poor choice of words, and salary history. You never have to put your salary history on an applic on a resume. There'll be plenty of time to discuss that when you speak with somebody in an interview situation. So make sure you don't put that on there. Okay, again, our phone lines are open. Please feel free to call us at 888-463-6748. We are just we are just now finishing the piece that we started a couple of weeks ago. Want to go through a couple more things. And then we'll be taking a break shortly, and then we'll launch into our careers in segment. But I wanted to make sure that you knew a couple of things. I get a lot of questions on what what is called behavioral-based interviewing. And they ask, what is behavioral-based interviewing? Now, behavioral-based interviewing focuses on experience, behaviors, knowledge, skills, and the abilities that are related to the job that you're seeking. It's based on the belief that past behavior and performance predicts future behavior and performance. So whatever you've done at your former job, the interviewer may be asking you in such a way to determine how well you may do that in the new job. You may use work experiences, activities, hobbies, volunteer work, school projects, anything as examples of past behavior. Now, current employment literature indicates that there's a strong trend towards this type of interviewing, which is why we bring it up now. So in addition to questions that you may found, you, in addition to questions found in many current, you know, resources that you'll see on the web, you should also consider being ready to be prepared for these types of questions when you're being interviewed. Now, what, what do employers evaluate in a behavioral interview? Simply, they're looking for three types of skills. They're looking for content. They're looking for transferable skills or function skills. And they're looking to something called adaptive, which is self-management skills. How can you adapt what you've done before into my organization while you're solving my problem? Now, really quickly, content skills are knowledge that is work-specific, such as maybe computer programming, accounting, or anything that that you use to express, you can use nouns to express. And now functional or transferable skills are used with people, information, or things such as organizing, managing, developing, communicating. These are expressed as verbs. And when we talk about those adaptive or self-management skills, they're looking for personal characteristics such as dependability. Are you a team player? Are you punctual? Are you self-directed? And these are expressed as adjectives. Okay, so now, theoretically speaking, there are three types of questions that you'll, that you'll typically find in interviews. Theoretical questions, questions that place you in sort of a hypothetical situation. Something like, how would you organize your friends or neighbors to do a big move if you were going to be moving? How would you organize them? 
And then, of course, there's always those favorite leading questions, questions that hint at the answer the interview we're seeking. So listen to the way it's, it's praised. An example is, working on your own doesn't bother you, does it? Now, that can almost be an open-ended question as well as a theoretical question, but be prepared for those as well. And then you'll have your behavioral questions, questions that seek demonstrated examples of behavior, how you've behaved in past, in past experiences. You know, these are things where they'll start with, tell me a time when, or describe this, describe a time that you had to. And then they'll ask those closed-ended questions, and usually they'll just verify information, something like, you have a degree in psychology, correct? Yes or no? That's a yes or no. And then they'll ask questions about why. So why did you decide to do what you did? Or why did you decide to take the action that you took? These are some of the things that you have to be able to describe and or be prepared for because, as I said, behavioral interviewing is truly becoming really in vogue right now. Employers are looking for ways how you've done something. If you put something on your resume that describes what you've done, obviously you're, going to, you're telling them you can solve a problem. Well, they're going to ask information on how you can do that, and that really is what behavioral interviewing is. So get familiar with some of these things. You'll never, not never, but you'll more often than not not be asked closed questions on an interview. You'll be asked open-ended questions, which truly want the interviewer wants you to talk about yourself. They want to see how you put information together. They want to see how you've behaved in the past. They want to see a predictor of how you may behave in the future and what they can expect from you if, in fact, you are an employee of theirs. Now, again, on, on interviews, do, be prepared for those questions that you may not be thinking about, open-ended questions. Practice, practice, practice. Three really quick questions you're sure to hear are, what are your best abilities? What makes you think you're the ideal candidate for this position? And what would be your ideal job? So again, think in terms of open-ended questions. These are things you're going to be asked. You're very rarely going to be asked lots of yes and no questions. So we're almost ready to take a break. I want to again remind you our phone lines are open. You could reach us at 888-463-6748. That's 888-GO-FOR-IT. On the back end, when we come back from break, we'll have our guests talking about careers and education, so please come back. You're listening to All Things Employment on TalkZone.com. 